0: Everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended. I am Tara Scott, and I'm back as always with Chris Bryant.
1: Hello, everybody! It is Sweet Sixteen,
0: <sighs> ready to go. Get its license. That's our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or have a John Hughes movie made about it. So
1: that's true. That's is he true. still alive? Uh, don't ask me that. I don't know the answer to it. Well, he's
0: not making '80s movies anymore. Now right. that it's 2021, so it doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: think you could probably really do a 16 type movie justice anymore i think it'd be hard no. i think it would be super hard
0: no those movies are like time capsules too they are they are so before we get going too far we just want to give a shout out there were a couple of people who supported us through Kofi since the last episode that we had they did it anonymously so i'm sorry we can't thank you by name but we would if we could And one of them even left a message saying, keep up the excellent work. Love the chemistry. Love the suggestions. Thank you. You sweet anonymous soul, whoever you are, as well as the other sweet anonymous soul who still (laughs) sent money as well. If anybody doesn't know what Kofi is, it's like a digital tip jar and you can use it to support creators like us financially, either once or on a recurring basis. We very much appreciate it because it helps pay for things like our hosting and any of the other add-ons that we use for running this podcast. So thank you so, so much. And if you think that you might want to support us through Ko-fi, we put a link in the show notes every time. And there's also a link on the website. Nice. So Chris, what has been new and awesome in your world?
1: New and awesome. Um, I went to the movies yesterday, (gasps) the actual movie theater.
0: Oh. Oh, okay. I'm a little jealous. We are not quite there yet because mm-hmm. even though Neil and I are both fully vaccinated, our kids are Babies. not. Right. So we still have to make our choices accordingly. But what did you go see?
1: I saw Black Widow because <sighs> why wouldn't I? We saw it last night. Oh, so but, you watched it on Disney, right? Disney we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. All right. So what did you think? One out of 10. What's your rating?
0: I would probably give it what a six and a half or a seven. I think I felt like it had a lot of good going for it, um, but there were
1: just some
0: things that could have been a little better. What about you?
1: I would give it a 7.5, seven and a half stars. All right. All right.
0: That's not too, I think we're around roughly the same area for that.
1: What did you love? Rachel Weiss? I was surprised. I guess I didn't really know the cast going in. I didn't know much about it because you know scarjo that's the whole reason mm-hmm. why i went i'm not going to lie mm-hmm. and i don't really know the history of black widow so it was good to learn how she came about and i you know i don't want to give a whole lot away but you know it was, it was pretty fast paced action packed which keeps me awake i need yes. that yes so and th- here's the deal about the movies now when mm-hmm. you go to the movie theater and you order everything online and you can order your snacks And your drinks and everything ahead of time. And then Mm -hmm. you just go to this little hub. And it has a bag and with your name on it. And you just pull it and you go. You don't have to stand in lines. You don't have to worry about six feet away from people. It's done. You grab it. And then you go to your seats. And they keep a radius around you where nobody can sit beside you, behind you, in front of you. So even though it was kind of, yeah, it was opening weekend. But maybe in the theater, there were probably 20 people in the whole theater. Yeah. Oh my god. Because I think everybody's doing what you're doing and watching it on Disney Plus or HBO Max or whatever.
0: So good. I still liked being able to watch it from the comfort of my basement where I perhaps <laughs> had had an edible beforehand. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps that opening scene is real rough when you're stoned. I gotta say. I
1: think a um, lot of the scenes were.
0: <laughs> and actually, that's true. A lot of the scenes were. But I think for me, the thing that I appreciate is that while I think it's one of the darkest of the Marvel movies, like some of the themes and content there is quite dark because I mean, you see it's kind of the whole analogy of, of human trafficking is, is happening there right? Um, in it. And i I guess what I'm saying is I, I think they're making it's, I guess it is human trafficking. It's just that we know that this guy has been making assassins and this shouldn't be a spoiler for anyone right. who has seen the Avengers movies. So I'm sorry if you haven't seen them that came up like more than a decade ago. <laughs> so
1: here we and are surprised. There's more than one black widow, <laughs>
0: right? Right. <laughs> oh no. Who didn't know that? Um, (laughs) But I also liked how funny it was. Like Florence Pugh's character is hilarious. She's so good. And Neil checked in, according to IMDb, she is in every episode of the Hawkeye series. So.
1: Oh, perfect. I can't wait.
0: I'm very excited to check that out.
1: Now you do watch it till the very, 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 very end. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. And if you do go see it, if you are, if it's on your queue to watch or to go see, always, always and forever stay mm-hmm. till the very, very end of every movie.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: It's listener question time. Hooray. It's time for listener questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yuri Fick asks a question. As you guys know, fanfics have a ton of tags, which are great for searching would you all want that for fiction too? Any thoughts?
0: Yes. I mean, it would be great if I could just go out into the world regardless of lesfic or otherwise and be able to find that. But, you know, Chris and I were talking about this and we have a couple of different ways that you can do this as lesfic readers, at least. And so the one that I'm going to plug is that I'm I'm sure a bunch of y'all who are listening, maybe not everybody, but a bunch of you uh, are fans of the old FF romance. And if that's your jam, head on over to the Lesbian Review. It's one of the sites that I review at. We have literally dozens (laughs) and dozens of tags. And so do you want to read books that are set in Australia? We have a tag for that. Do you want to know about I was about to say firefighters. And I was like, do we have one for firefighters? I'm pretty sure that we do. We have for like a ton of professions. We have it sorted by time period. Do you want to know the heat level? They call it expectations there, but you can even sort by that. So like go there, you can find tons of it. We recently added tags for tentacles. I don't know who was asking for that. (laughs) Thirsty bitches. Somebody was asking for it. Uh, I have so many questions, right? I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) this is one of those I was like okay this is a this is a tag we're adding I oh. have to think Anna Burke's um, compass oh, yeah. those books ended right. up in there but those are like tentacles that'll kill you this is not right. like a are
1: there any tentacles that are like good tentacles
0: listen I'm not gonna yuck <laughs> <heck> anybody's yums
1: <laughs> and you are the last person I thought would too <laughs> like I'm one to talk
0: I know <laughs> so yes uh go to the Ledger review. You can get all the tags on all the things.
1: I will say that when I turn in a book, my publishing company, Bold Strokes Books, whenever I turn in a book, I now have to provide keyword searches. I have to provide tags, hashtag, and they give you a list of what to choose from, you know, like big city. And they have like, if you're looking for Arizona, California, or Butch, or Femme, or whatever, they have a bunch of keywords. That, and I just did the search too. I, I did a search for a royalty. That's right. So I did royalty just to see. And sure enough, if you go to BSB and you type in, you know, hashtag royalty, it, you, it pulls up all the royalty books that we have. And so I'm, I'm almost certain like all publishing companies do that now. Plus, I mean, whenever any writer does a promotion, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, most people do have the hashtags, you know, mm-hmm. lesbian romance, lesbian erotica you know, hometown. I think I had a couple, you know, dogs, you know, for home and things. So Mm -hmm. I think more and more writers are doing it and more and more publishing companies are also putting it on their websites to make searching for what you really want to to read about. um, You can have access to it. Yeah,
0: I agree. I don't know that it'll ever get to the same level of granularity that you might find on like AO3 or fanfic sites like that, because it's individuals who are creating their own. And so new ones are coming up all the time. And so it's like, there are some of the more popular ones that maybe we'll start seeing come out either in review sites or publisher sites like Coffee Shop or like One Bed. Oh no, there's one only bed. one bed in this place, and there's <laughs> two of us. What are we going to do? But some of the other ones where you get down into like, are you ever going to be able to search for like really explicit sex acts? Probably not. But tentacles? I mean, that's what friends are for. Ask your friends. Yeah, right? Tentacles. tentacles. <laughs> Has there been? I don't think there's been tentacles insects Inter- in,
1: in a lesbian romance. If there has, you know what? Let us know. Right. There's got to be some sci-fi space <laughs> monster with tentacles that has crossed over into the human. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I don't know either. But yeah, you can. I'm email not us writing at it. Just an podcast. FYI.
1: You <laughs> I will not write did. that story. <laughs>
0: You already did. Yeah, if you if you do know of any, you can email us at podcast You can send us a tweet. You can send us an Instagram or Facebook, DM, whatever you like. And also, we just want to do a follow up to the listener question from last time. So in the last episode, Jamie Hunsaker asked us to talk about the underrepresentation of trans women in lesbian fiction. If you didn't hear that episode, go back and check it out. or even if you go to our website and to the page for that episode, That's been pulled out as a YouTube clip, so you can just listen to that if you like. Um, But in that, we asked if people could share their recommendations of books like that. And unfortunately, we didn't get any. So again, I'm going to say, if you know of any lesbian fiction that really prominently features a trans woman, please, please share it with us. Again, you know, podcast are clearly recommended. Tweet us, Instagram us, whatever you like. Um, But Jamie actually came back and she shared recommendations of trans women, cis women pairings with us. So she noted Roller Girl by Vanessa North. That's the one that we mentioned. But also Knowing Her by Raquel DeLeon, Second Exposure by Chelsea Cameron. April Daniels has a dreadnought series. And then there's a graphic novel called Cheer Up by Crystal Frazier. And so that came through last week. And then today, very oh. happily. This morning, I woke up to one more tweet yeah. from Jamie that says, after I gave you guys my list of lesbian books with trans leads earlier this week, Lily Seabrook announced she has a book coming out next month with a trans protagonist, which is called Fake It. Jamie says she just finished the arc. The book is delightful. So I'm going to say, how about we all go and check out that book? I'm going to go pre-order it personally. Good. Yay. So Chris. Yes. Now that... The Handmaid's Tale is done, and you are no longer just dumping cortisol into your body on a weekly basis. What have you been watching or reading?
1: Uh, So I'm still watching alone. We're down to five contestants now. I think we're on like day 24 or so. So five Mm -hmm. people have made it 24 days in the wild. So that's going on. And so yesterday, tip, Atyp- I think it was yesterday, Atypical, the final season came out and I binge watched the whole season in one sitting. Whoa. Because I liked that show. I really like it. Um, mm. And there is queer rep. There is queer rep. So, what is uh, the queer rep? Okay. So Sam, so let's start off like, uh, I'll read you a little bit about Atypical. It says when a teen on the uh, autism spectrum decides... To get a girlfriend, his bid for more independence puts his whole family on a path of Mm self-discovery. So there's a lot of relationships going on. It's kind of like Love, Victor, you know, where you have parents are having issues and they have issues with each kid Mm -hmm. and Sam's sister, Casey, comes out as bisexual. So she has a boyfriend at the start of it and then she switches over and uh, she now has a girlfriend. So she's, she comes out and she tells her parents, I'm bisexual. And so like the whole thing is really sweet. She's concerned, you know, by telling her parents and you know, her that's like, I don't care. Just, you know, as Aww. long as that person treats you right. So it's really sweet. And uh, and I'd been on this show. This was the fourth. I'm really bad at like, I think it's the fourth season and final season. I mean, that was it. Last night mm-hmm. was it. So uh, I cried. I'm not going to, I'm a crier. I cried. That's all right. So, yeah. so I, I binge watched that. And then your husband talked me into seeing uh, the Fierce Street trilogy on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Where right now it's, uh, you can see Fair Street 1994 and Fair Street 1978. Mm-hmm. And it's full of gory stuff that you probably don't like.
0: I did not watch the first one. And to be fair, to use the word watch would not be accurate <laughs> for what I did with the second one. I was right. in the room.
1: There's no playing way. Yeah. Valley. <laughs>
0: And every so often I would look up and have regrets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say like the first one's gory, but the second one is gory on a whole different level. Like, you're just like, I can't believe that happened. Like the whole time. It's like, I can't believe that happened. So, so now I'm invested, you know, I'm like, fine, Neil, I'll go ahead and I'll watch the final one. I don't know what Mm -hmm. the final year is, but I think it comes out next week. But by the time, you know, this airs, all three will be out. So I will have watched all three. He was saying that he thinks it's the 1600s. Ooh. Oh, you know what? Maybe so because I did like a little uh a preview mm-hmm. and it's yes. Yeah, so that, that'll be fun. That'll be witchy witchy. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm down for that. I'm yeah. down for the witchy witchy.
0: Yeah, he's super um, excited for that one too. But when I heard what that was about, I was like, mm, nope, nope, nope. Bye bye bye. bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sure I'll, I will hear from him after it's over, after it's all said and done the trilogy is over. But what about yeah. you? What are you what are you watching? What are you reading?
0: So we are still watching Loki, and the point at which you and I are recording this is between the second last episode and the final episode. And the way they ended that last episode, I just felt like it was really rude to not release <laughs> the last episode at the same uh, time. So you could go straight into it. Nope. I was like, but, but I, I wanted to see. It. It's so good. This is, I think for me, it is my favorite of all of the Marvel series that have been coming out. It's just, it's so well-written. The aesthetic of the show is so interesting. Tom Hiddleston. You know what's funny? I never really got it about Tom Hiddleston when I would see all these people that are like, he's so hot. And I'm like, is he? <laughs> he's lucky, is he? Yeah, he's such a dick, but you get to see so much more of him and who he is. And I just find him so much more interesting now that I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'm starting to kind of get it. So it's like, no, truly, truly, this is uh adding to my theory that Thor Ragnarok is the movie for bisexuals because there's something for, for everybody.
1: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: There's so much to love in that one movie alone. I mean, you have your Kate Blanchett fans are going to be happy. A lot Tessa, of them, right?
1: Tessa Thompson.
0: But then you also have the Mighty Thor himself and his brother and Andrew Pretty, Selba. Right? Yeah. So there's something for every queer out there. So yeah, I really like what's happening with the show. I really like where it's going. I'm afraid to say anything because there are so there are quite a few twists within it. And there are Ooh. some people that might be waiting for it to be done before they start watching, watching it. Yeah. 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 So I don't want to share too much, but just it's so good. Go check it out. In terms of gaming, of course, as I mentioned, I'm still playing Stardew Valley. I started playing it, what, a month ago?
1: You got married the last episode. You were married to Allison, right? Was it Allison? who you no, marry? No, it's
0: Abigail. Married Abigail. <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> Which my <laughs> favorite thing about that was then finding out later that my six-year-old hates abigail because my two kids also play and the reason she hates abigail is that basically the game runs so there's like a a calendar year that that happens there's there's the four seasons and every spring there's an easter egg hunt and so she's like i hate abigail so much and i was like what why do you hate her and she's like (laughs) she always wins the easter egg hunt and I said, well, I married her. And did, my kid turned to me and said, how could you? <laughs> She's awful.
1: <laughs> like who steals eggs from kids?
0: Right. Except another kid in the game i don't know it's like all the marriage options in the game like you're a, you're supposed to be somebody who's quite young and everybody oh. else in the game is quite young and so that's the one thing i feel a little weird playing it's like, yeah, so like yeah, i am a woman in her 40s yeah but you're playing, playing an eight-year-old who married an
1: eight-year-old no, or what Now i how think young? no i
0: think it's more like a i think it's 10. more like 18 year olds okay no okay. god eight-year-old <laughs> marrying eight-year-olds i was like I
1: what is this bar no <laughs> What are you doing
0: and then you adopt babies no big deal like
1: no yeah i was gonna say have you adopted anybody
0: yes we have adopted two (gasps) babies there's a boy and a girl toddlers so i let my oldest kid name the boy his name is hunter and i named the girl nora because why not (laughs) it's cute interesting Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm they're doing fine but i looked (laughs) and so Also, since the last episode, I had a week off. And so recently I thought, I wonder how much Stardew Valley I've played in the last six weeks. And it turns out it was 130 hours.
1: Oh oh my gosh. Wow. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours.
0: (laughs) I uh, might have a problem. (laughs) A Stardew Valley problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's more time than I write. Mm -hmm. That's amazing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in terms of reading, I have begun reading Covenant by Anne McMahon, which is the fourth, and she says final, installment in the Jericho series. And I feel like most lesbian books... People have at least heard of it and have hopefully read the series. But just in case not, this is I think this is one of the more interesting series that I've come across because she did a bold thing. And so the first book, Jericho, is a romance novel, right? So it's between this, like again, it's one of those, like if you just throw the name Jericho out, you just hear everybody say, I love Maddie and Sid so much. And it's like, Yeah, of course. They're like gorgeous and hilarious. Like, (laughs) what's not to love? And it's in this like small town in Virginia and or is it the other Virginia? I don't understand why there's two Virginias. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right.
1: You're Canadian. I'm like, I'm Canadian. What's the problem? <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, I think it's supposed to be kind of Appalachian. Maybe this is where my Canadian is showing. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know the geography part of this book, and it doesn't really matter until it sort of matters later on from like the politics of the area. Okay. But that particular book is, it's like, yeah, it's like small town quirk. You fall in love with all these weirdos, and then the second book is not a romance. None of the rest of the books are the romances. And I think it's really interesting for an author to choose to shift genres. Hmm. And in this case, though, it worked really well because like Maddie and Sid falling in love is a great way to sort of get an introduction to the area and the characters and to kind of fall in love with everybody in the setting. And then the books start to hit you hard with serious things like talking about immigration and child abuse and homophobia and all these things. And so this last installment is excellent. And I'm not hundred percent sure where it's going. I think I'm only about a third of the way in. Um, I'm curious to see how everything wraps up, but there's definitely like, there's a strong theme of girls and women reckoning with a history of bad dads. Oh, and it's like a, Oh, what do you do with that? And at the same time, it also feels like it's really looking at kind of some of the ugliest parts of what Trump did to America. And especially in places like that, you see a shift in the way some folks in town and it's like none of the people that we grow to love as readers, you know, it's like none of those kind of prominent characters. But the other folks in town, like you just see that attitude shift, the right. the permission that Trump gave for the quiet part to become loud. and you and you sort of see that in action in this book. And so there are times when I, I'm not even sure how to say it like it's never too hard, not for me, certainly, I'm a fairly sensitive soul. It might be for some other people depending on their own personal past and where their limits are. But I just wonder how it goes from this like fraught, tense, anxious, place that the book is right now to how it's going to resolve. That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. How does it resolve all of that? How does it wrap up the series? Right. So don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. I haven't.
1: If You can believe it. I've been
0: tempted to, but I haven't because I always read ahead.
1: I know. That's Um, why I'm telling you not to don't do it. Don't ruin it. It's really hard. Just skate into it and just, you know, end it with a smile or like cry.
0: Yeah. I'm expecting one or both of those to happen for sure. Okay. (laughs) All right, Chris, what is your official recommendation this week?
1: Okay, my official recommendation is Under Her Influence by Amanda Radley.
0: Tell me more. What's it about?
1: So I'm going to read the blurb. Fraser Park, the award winning Scottish Nature Reserve and theme park, means everything to Beth Fraser. She's more than a little preoccupied saving her family's legacy and struggling against a board of directors who all seem to hate her. The last person she wants to need is selfie-obsessed, filtered-to-perfection social media influencer Gemma Johnson. But she's got to protect Fraser Park from a corporate takeover, and according to her brother, that means boosting their online presence. Gemma might be necessary, but Beth doesn't have to like her or follow her or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Gemma Johnson, an Insta success with hundreds of thousands of followers, is proud of her perfectly curated life. When she's invited to stay at Fraser Park, the trip sounds like a fun adventure for a good cause until she meets Beth, the only woman who sees beneath her sparkly facade and reminds her that not everything is as easy or flawless as it seems. On their path to hashtag true love, will Beth and Gemma discover that reality is even better than illusion? Will they? Do they? Ah, okay, what so <laughs> First of all, I'm not an audiobook kind of girl. Like, the only way I'll listen to one is trapped in a car. And last week, that's exactly what I was. I was trapped in a car. Mm -hmm. I drove down to my sister's lake cabin to work there. And so it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, Mm -hmm. the roads, we're talking like you don't see people for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so getting reception for the radio is sketchy. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to listen to an audiobook. So I picked Amanda's because I know that a lot of people like her books. And also we were book buddies. We had books released at the same time, June 1st. Oh, nice. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and listen to this. The world knows that I'm a sucker for an accent. And in mm-hmm. this book, there are two accents. Like there's Scottish and then there's British. And I was in love. Like I, you know, and, and I don't know. The narrator is Amy Putt. And I don't know if she did a great job, if, if like she really nailed the, the, the different accents, but I enjoyed it. 100% mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, she differentiated enough to where I could understand who was talking because I know that's a thing uh, yes. in audiobooks. It's real hard to, to figure out who's really talking. And so I was able to slip in and out of the characters without any problem. So oh, that was good. good. Yeah. You know, I went into this book with no character expectations, you know, no, no plot pleads like, oh, please, oh, please let this happen. You know, <laughs> so I, nothing like that. I just I just wanted to chill with the story. And it's low angst. It's very yeah. low angst, almost zero angst. And Amanda, Amanda is just a fabulous writer. I mean, she's kind of like Finn. They mm-hmm. their word choice is so perfect. And I can really appreciate that as a writer for example and and everybody knows what this means like Gemma's talking about how she gets her nosiness from her mom who is a curtain twitcher and we all can picture <laughs> that, that because crannous. I love it and so you know exactly what she means when she says that a curtain twitcher a curtain yeah. twitcher perfect it's perfect yeah. maybe laugh maybe laugh yeah um so this is kind of like an age gap romance we know that Beth is 42, but we don't know how old Gemma is. At least I, I didn't pick up on it. I'm guessing like maybe late twenties, mm-hmm. early thirties. And it's not really an ice queen, but Beth is really stoic towards Gemma at first because Gemma is doing something that Beth doesn't allow at the park. And so right then they clash at the very beginning, they're, they clash, but then, mm. you know, then they don't clash. So it could also be like an enemies lover for that reason. And so the reason why I picked this is because right now I'm editing a book and I'm also writing a book. So I have so many deadlines and I just needed something that made me laugh out loud and smile at how well it was written. And so, and if you don't like Insta Love, this really isn't the book for you, but if you wanna have a pleasant afternoon reading a book, then this is your book. You know exactly what's gonna happen mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book. You know, mm-hmm. you learn each character, and you know what's going to happen, but the writing is so good that you keep reading. Also, sex is off the page. Amanda writes Fade to Black, so your action is really first base only. So some <laughs> people are into that, while others prefer like the grand slam, you know, in the books. So
0: is it at least appropriate to the overall tone of the book?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. I
0: yeah. find that makes a really big difference because I see some readers that are like, I never want to read about sex. And I just skip all the scenes and I see other readers that are like, I only want to read books with sex in them. Whereas to me, I want to know, does it fit or not? Because I've read some books where based on the overall tone of the book, and then it gets to the sex scene, which is so explicit. I'm like, did this come from a different book? (laughs) Because I don't know how it got into this book or other books where the buildup had been such that like it was hinting to this like real good sex scene that was coming and then it closes the door and I was like how dare you ma'am that is not okay
1: (laughs) I like reading sex without a doubt I like writing sex I like reading sex sex is a real thing it happens in relationship especially when when two characters are you know getting together that whole excitement and you know you're you're Mm -hmm. getting you know you're gonna find out about these people and, and see if they mesh well you know so most of the books I've read the characters have actually there's sex on the page so the fact that this didn't you know it didn't it didn't deter me from the story it was just kind of like okay and I think I knew Mm -hmm. that going into it that Amanda doesn't really write sex Mm -hmm. um just first base only and you know I was fine with that because like I said her writing is so clever and the fact that she's British she has different ways of saying things which of course you know I can appreciate like the curtain twitcher i mean i that that is the you know i couldn't take notes i couldn't write you know down quotes that i really liked because i was driving and there's an audiobook but curtain twitcher like made me laugh i was like that's great that's like i took my mom is a curtain twitcher (laughs) (laughs) it's just like
0: (laughs) seriously i shouted out earlier but it makes me think of the gladys kravitz character from bewitched it always makes me think of her and how she's like she's constantly peeking so she sees she always sees the magic happening but nobody else sees it so she looks like she's nuts but like she's constantly just perched (laughs) at that window She is. (laughs) (laughs) okay i want to ask a follow-up question okay uh, to something that you said because you said something i have never (gasps) heard an author say before oh so we're gonna go off on a tangent if you're cool with it sure You said that you like to write sex scenes. I love it. Because I constantly see authors agonizing on their socials about, oh, I have to write this goddamn sex scene. It's like, (laughs) it's like they're going down to the coal mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why do you like writing them?
1: I like writing them because you've spent, you being the writer, you've spent so much time with these characters in your head. Even when you're not writing, they're still there they're like mm-hmm. having conversations they're getting to know each other in my head and so i'm with them all the time and so when i mm-hmm. finally get to the sex to the to the intimate scenes i want them to have sex they have been monopolizing my life for <laughs> months yeah. and i just want them there they're there the chemistry is there they need this they want this so i'm mm-hmm. going to help them get this and i really enjoy being you know, creative with it because it's hard to be creative writing sex on the page all the time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, plus everybody's different. Your characters, some are really shy and they turn out to be like little sex kittens inside the bedroom, which surprised me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and, and sometimes they fumble around because they're not experienced. And so it just really depends on the character. And so if the character wants to go all in, I'm great. It's, Mm -hmm. You know, I've had books or I've had like six sex scenes and then this always, I think only has one or two. So it just depends really on the storyline and it depends on, you know, just the the chemistry of the characters. And now that
0: you've finally written a book in the third person. Yes. What do you find is different about writing sex scenes from the first person versus third person perspective?
1: I think in the first person you have more of an id response you know, mm-hmm. you go to that deep place inside you where I want this, I want to fuck, I want mm-hmm. this, I want to taste. It's, it's all internal. And I love writing that internal battle, you know, when you're having sex, because mm-hmm. some things you're thinking and you would never in a million years say it, because it might not sound sexy at the time, but like, yeah. you're determined to do whatever you're determined to do. And third person, you're kind of like just in the room. So it's, it's more to me, it's less emotional writing it in third than it is in first person. So first person sex for me is extremely emotional, whereas Mm -hmm. third person is more descriptive.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for allowing me to have that tangent. (laughs) Sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do. I love it. And I just, and every time I see somebody who like cringes writing sex, I'm like, how, why that is part of life. Why would you cringe at something that's so beautiful? It's It's, It's just so it's such an enjoyable thing to write and experience. And you know, you have different people, you find out how they are during Mm -hmm. sex because you've, like I said, you've spent so much time with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. Love it. Yay! Okay. So what is your big recommendation this week? I've monopolized the whole freaking podcast with Oh no,
0: no. (laughs) So I hope everybody is ready. To hear me talk about this book for the next year and a half.
1: <laughs> I, because I loved it so much. I want to say one thing before you say this recommendation. Mm-hmm. Like, Tara was ready on Friday night to do this podcast. I'm like, it's Friday night. No. And you were, you were gung ho. You were so oh, excited yeah. about this. I haven't yeah. seen you this excited in a really long time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's my favorite book of 2021 so far. Oh, right. I know there's still time for other books to come in, time, there's time. but I think it might be tough to beat it because it was kind of like somebody said, you know what? Tara's had a rough year and a half. I mean, I know everybody has, but how about I just write a book for her, which is not what happened. I know that's not what happened, but that's what it felt <laughs> or like. Maybe it did. It's what yeah. it felt like when I was reading this book. So, oh my God, you're all probably is ready to kill me at this point. So <laughs> my recommendation is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. And- People who are familiar with this author know that she came out. Her first book was a rom-com. It was a male-male romance called Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I have not read. I've heard it's adorable. If it's anywhere as cute as One Last Stop, I want it. And I'll probably go read it, even though I rarely read Mail Mail. Jeez, I'm trying to think the last time I read one. It's been years. Wow. Right? That's awful. Because I've been meaning (laughs) to read Nathan Burgoyne's books and I even bought one of his books because he's so lovely and he's so support. He's with Bold Strokes and he's so supportive of all the lesbic authors. Right, for sure. So anyway, if you're looking for a male, male author that is actually a gay man, go check out Nathan Burgoyne. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about him. Go get your queer boy love over there. Right. Um, But we're talking about One Last Stop, which is about so it is not in the first person but it only follows the perspective of one character. And that character is August Landry. And we see her as she's moving to New York City uh, in the present day. And she is used to being kind of a loner. She had a weird childhood, grew up kind of almost as like a Veronica Mars girl detective sort of thing because she's been, well, her, her mom has had a private case. Her mom's brother disappeared in the 1970s and her mom has been trying to track him down to kind of like an obsessive degree you can see that it has some negative effects on august because she has a hard time trusting people and forming attachments and all that but she gets a room like she's sharing an apartment with some folks that are looking for a new roommate who basically just decide oh no you are in our family now that is just how that is happening and like everybody in this apartment is queer it's so lovely across the hall is a drag queen called antidepressant who, who is this like <laughs> kind of prominent New York queen. And the roommates even help her get a job at Pancake Billy's house of pancakes. It's this like <laughs> pancake place that's been around since the 1940s or it's, but no, it's been around for 45 years. That's what it is. It's not 1945, but it's been around for 45 years. And anyway, so she's like kind of going through life and she's going to finish out her college degree in New York because she had done, she had been in a couple, of, a, a couple of other places that just didn't feel quite right. And she gets on the bus one day after, you know, kind of falling and knocking coffee all over herself and all this, but she gets on the, on the train and she sees this super hot butch who's Chinese and leather jacket, white t-shirt. Ripped jeans, converse, like you know, sexy, sexy androgynous bush, right? Right. And they kind of make a connection. And then she keeps seeing her on the train. And then she learns that this person's name is Jane Sue, and okay. that Jane is actually from the 1970s. And she is stuck on that train. And it goes okay. from there.
1: And it stuck is stuck on av- the train. Wow.
0: Yes. They fall in love on the fucking subway of New York city. It is so good. And it's funny because as I started reading it, I was like, this thing is being sold as a (laughs) rom-com. How is that possible? But then it's like, it is really humorous. Like there's a ton of things in there that I think are hilarious, especially um, in the conversations with the roommates so at one point, August tells her roommates kind of the, the truncated version of what her mom was like and what it was like growing up with her. And so then I'm just going to grab a quote. Uh, this is the response from her roommate, Mila. Anyway, Mila says, turning to open the freezer, that sucks. I'm your mom now. The rules are no Tarantino movies and bedtime is never. Which I <laughs> was like, yes. Perfect. Very good. <laughs> And then there's another conversation that they're having together. I mean, Myla is hilarious. She is one of my favorite characters in this book for sure. But they're having a conversation about August's feelings for Jane. And August has a lot of angst about it because she doesn't know if Jane feels the same way. And so this, uh, this is a quote from a passage there. And it starts with Mila saying, maybe you're meant to be. Love at first sight. It happened to me. I don't accept this as a hypothesis. Then Milo says, that's because you're a Virgo. (laughs) And August says, I thought you said virginity was a construct. A Virgo, you fucking Virgo nightmare, all this, and you still don't believe in things, typical Virgo bullshit. Like it's just hilarious. But at the same time, the other thing that I really love about it, in a way that I was perfectly primed to love, is that Jane was a part of the 1970s punk scene. So she was there as like a a participant, a spectator. Like she wasn't a musician, but she was definitely like, she was going to Max's Kansas city. She was going to CBGB. Basically she was going to all these places that I've been reading about in the book, please kill me by Lex McNeil and Jillian. I forget her last name. And so I was just like, like my brain is exploding. So I was like, (laughs) this is incredible. But then also hearing about how like she went to drag shows and, you know, because there are, and drag queens are really prominent in this. And so it's like, it took my two right massive things that came out of the pandemic, which was like tunneling into the history of punk and RuPaul's Drag Race right. <laughs> um, and brought it all together in one beautiful book. But I also love, there's something really special that happens here, which is like just reminding us that the queer, the, the context that queer people live in now is not the context that has always been around. And I think, especially for younger queers, it's really hard to forget how much essential work was done in the 1970s, and how difficult it was. Or to think that, like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race is drag—that's what drag was about. That's kind of where it all started. And it's like, no, not at all. It started way, way before that. It is, it started even before the 1960s. Like, drag was a was a thing in you know, World War II, there were soldiers that were doing drag shows. There were drag shows even before that. But like, if people want to, I'm going to give a side recommendation. We'll say this might turn into a full recommendation at some point, but I would have to rewatch the whole thing. But there is a Netflix documentary called The Queen, and it is from 1967 or 1968. And it is about a drag competition in New York City. And so if you kind of want to get a little bit of a sense of roughly what Jane might've been able to see. That's a great documentary Uh, to check out, to go along with it. So it's just, it's funny. It's sweet. The romance is so well done. I love when they finally both kind of admit their feelings together because it actually starts with Jane blowing up (laughs) and saying, what are we doing here? Because I've been using all my best moves and I have no idea what you think or feel about any of this. And I just thought like, how perfect is that? Because we never get Jane's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I love that moments like that happen to bring her perspective in. Like she has this real emotional honesty that allows us to still understand what it is that she's thinking and feeling. And I was never actually unsatisfied by the fact that we don't get her perspective. I was really okay with it. And I think that was probably a really wise choice to make with like a contemporary white author writing a lead who is Chinese American and from the 1970s. Like, how can you authentically bring that in? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible and I'm not going to tell who, like what people should write, although I certainly have opinions. But I think in this way, it ended up being very, very effective because we get August's perception of what happens, but we still get to hear how Jane feels and what she thinks, and it's just it's really really lovely. And I want nothing but good things for this book. I think it hey. should win all kinds. Like if it wins the Lammy next year, I will not be surprised.
1: Wow. Well, you're like, usually pretty good at like picking. You're like you pick the winners or the or the finalists. I mean, you're like the person. You're like the, <laughs> the the person I go to. Like, hey all right, like a gambler, like, which yeah, yeah, yeah. give me a number, you know, cause I'm going to trust your numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like, I, I would not be surprised because it's just so beautifully done. It's so well done. And I just love the blend of like really showing that dichotomy of like queer experience now versus queer experience in the past whilst delivering a gorgeous love story that's full of passion. So
1: I downloaded did you? it. I did because I'm excited. It. You got me so excited over the weekend about it. So as soon as, uh, as soon as I get caught up on my book stuff, then I'll have time to read again. So
0: I'm going to get one more quote because okay. I think it is hilarious. So in that same conversation between Mila and August, um, when they're talking about what she feels. Um, Myla asks, how do you feel when you look at Jane, when you talk to her, when you touch her and August says, I don't know, like my heart is going to come out of my ass and suplex me into the mantle of the earth, I guess. And I just think like, <laughs> what's not to love about that? Oh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that this is also the first time that I've read acknowledgements where I want to talk about the acknowledgements. Oh, It does two things that are really important and that I I just love. And the first one is I'm so mad that she said it there because as soon as she said it, I was like, fuck, I wish I would have thought of that. (laughs) Um, But she says, I love this story because it's an unbury your gaze story. And I just thought, how absolutely perfect because it's true. Everybody thought Jane was dead. Mm -hmm. And while her existence is. I'm not actually sure exactly how to put it, but by the end of the book, she's very much definitely not dead, which is so incredible because in so much media, I mean, bury your gaze is a very real thing. And so to very consciously go against that. I love that. And then at the end, I love that she says to every reader, I'm one of many, many, but not enough queer voices in fiction. Each of them deserves to be heard. When you close this book, seek out a queer author you've never read before and buy their book. Don't begin and end with any one book. There are so many to love and supporting them creates a space for even more queer authors to print their words. Beautiful. Which is like, especially given that this is a mainstream audience right? with a mainstream marketing budget. Like I'm seeing it everywhere. This book does not need me to talk about it, to get people <laughs> to buy it, but I'm so passionate about it that I'm going to keep doing it. But I love... That she's using her space to try to encourage that growth. And I just think that that's so beautiful and can only benefit the whole sector. Right. That's it. That's great. I I wish I could say that's everything I have to say. That's all I'm going to say for now. Please be prepared to hear me bring it up. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, as soon as I finish
1: it, you're going to be, we're going to talk about it again. So I'll be ready. I will be ready.
0: So good. Well, that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast just so you can get notified whenever we release an episode. You don't want to miss it. We're going to do more of this, like rambling on about shit that we love. like, <laughs> Or maybe going into rabbit holes about why Chris likes sex scenes. You don't know. It could happen. Also, if you have a friend that you think would like queerly recommended, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is right. the best way to get more people listening to it. So we would love it if you could do that.
1: Yeah, we're trying to put more on different uh, social media sites. I started putting a lot of our clips on TikTok. So we have some clips out there. Yeah, surprise.
0: How do we find it on TikTok? Uh,
1: Well, uh, what you can do is um, my TikTok. I'm stalling because I'm pulling up my TikTok account. (laughs) um, And I'm very slow at it. um, But I am at lesbic underscore author. And so I post not only like videos about my books, but also I put our clips on there, our little clips that you see on, um, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram. And, and not everybody does all, you know, Facebook or Twitter. Some people, a lot of the younger listeners do a lot of Instagram and TikTok. So that's mm-hmm. why I kind of hit it up there. But, you know, we're, we're everywhere. So just search yep. for Queerly Recommended, on, like I said, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can just email us at podcast, at CoilyRecommended.com.
0: That's it. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, goodbye. Woo, we did it. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get going too far, we just want to give a shout out. There were a couple of people who left. Um, We're going to start that over again. Okay. Because I couldn't say the word left without (laughs) an S in it. (laughs)